Hi everyone, well how about this for a nice extra treat from the High Performance Podcast. Welcome along to a special bonus episode this Wednesday. So this is an episode we recorded a while ago with Josh Taylor the boxer and this weekend he has a big night. He defends his undisputed super lightweight title against Jack Catterall in Scotland on Saturday evening and we spoke to him about his approach, his mindset, his story and Damon and I both feel this is a boxer who hasn't had the recognition that his career necessarily deserves and we're really hoping that this conversation is an opportunity for you to understand Josh Taylor a little bit more. Here's what to expect. Persistence and patience is what I really learned and I think that was keys to me improving all round. Just persistence, patience and obviously hard work as well but I'd say patience and perseverance were the two keys that allowed me to develop and get better. I think I'm a very talented boxer, a very talented athlete, but I'm a very hard worker and dedicated as well. There's no a person I've met in the gym that works harder than me. I don't feel that I've reached my full potential yet. I don't feel I've, I've reached my Everest. Uh, you know, I've maybe reached the Everest of the four belts, but I don't feel I've reached my Everest of my potential. I think I can go further and achieve more. When I'm dead and long gone, my name in the history books is still going to be there and be the first person in Britain to do it and talked about for how many ever years after I'm long gone and well forgotten about. I gave it everything I'd ever had and it's worked out to be the best decision I made. I think you're going to love this. So Josh is Scotland's undisputed world light welterweight champion. He's one of five men in history to hold all four belts in his division. But there's no doubt he hasn't yet had the recognition that he deserves. But how do you really get to his level in boxing? What are the mindset traits? What are the non-negotiable behaviours? What are the things that he does every single day to be at the top of his game? Once more, this is a conversation with a boxer, but it's not a conversation about boxing. It's a conversation with a really driven, determined, deep-thinking young man. He has a massive night on Saturday, but right now, it's all about him as a person. Josh Taylor on the High Performance Podcast comes next. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Josh, thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me. In your mind, what is high performance? High performance, I would say, it's quite a wide sort of window you've got there to say. It's not just the performance in the gym and the performance in the fights. It's the way you live. It's a... We turn up on time, look after yourself, look after your things that you've got and taking care of yourself and taking care of people around you and what you're doing, that's that's high performance as well, I believe. It's not just in the gym and running fast on the treadmill or hitting the bag many more times than another guy next to you. It's not just that, it's, it's the way you carry yourself in life, I believe, as well, with your mindset and things to do, things to do it right, do things with a, a full heart instead of half-hearted You'll never get the results that you're wanting in anything in life. If you do it with a half heart, you've got to do everything and, and go for it. 
And uh, you know, if you fail, if you bit by a full heart, you can always say, "Well, I tried it," rather than, "Oh, what if I did this or what if I did that?" Then that's that's with regrets, rather than go for it for a full heart and have no regrets. At least you can say, "I did it and I tried it and and didn't work out," or "I did it and I tried it and it worked out for the best." So that to me is a high performance is giving it your all, not just not just in the gym, but in anything you do. Tell us what living a life like this does for you then in a positive sense, because it's not an easy life to live like that, is it? No, for me, you know, because I had a, had a goal of becoming world champion and, you know, achieving what I've achieved, I didn't think for a minute, if I, you had been speaking to me here five years ago and you say you're going to be an undisputed world champion, I think you're a big fat liar, you know, and go, hmm, okay, maybe, well, maybe, but I don't think so. You know, it's maybe a wee bit too far. But world champion, 100%, you know. So the way my approach was, was just go for it, you know. Go for it with my my full heart, you know. It's say, uh, go for broke, you know. Go for it or go broke, you know. It was a, uh, I just always believed in my, my own ability and just believed in myself and what I was doing. Just believed in, I would get there. I always get there, keep chasing it and improving on myself. The way I was, the way I was eating, the way I was resting, the way I was training, you know, and things like that. Listening to different people's perspectives on, on how to learn and develop as a fighter and stuff, you know, and mindset and stuff, Learn, learning from different people, not just being uh, tunnel vision, but learning from people as well, being a sponge and learning and taking bits of advice from people that had more experience from me and stuff like that as well. So, yeah, just just like, yeah, tunnel vision, but also open-minded to get, uh, taking in advice and, and taking help as, as well. So take us back to the start of the journey then, Josh, because... One of the things that we often say on this is that people play football, they play rugby, but you only box. Yeah. There's easier sports to choose. So what was it that attracted you to such a tough sport? Just the, the competitiveness of it. You know, one-on-one, you're not, it's not like a, like a team sport. You're not relying on other people to, you know, help you out to pass the ball in this way, to go this way, and you can score a goal. And that. You're not relying on teammates. It's yourself against another person who's also been training very hard and like tactically trying to beat you it's like a physical game of chess you know it's not just uh, standing and punching bells at each other it's, there's a lot of thought that goes in behind it and like if I throw this punch he might he might block it or react and, you know he's open for this one or he might, if I throw that once too slow he's going to hit me back and stuff you know it's like it's like the only sport in the world where you have to think about defence while you're on the offence and uh, it just it just intrigued me not just if, not only because I like to have a get stuck in amongst it and have a little bit of a fight but just the the tactical side of it the techniques learning new techniques you know the the the, the lifestyle the fitness you know everything about it I just I just loved I loved it so what percent then when you're in the ring what percent does your physical ability win you the fight and what percent does your mental strength win you the fight I'd say the mental strength probably outweighs the physical because if you've got your self-doubts and you let these self-doubts and the nerves and that eat you up it's you're not going to get the performance that you want you're going to be tight and tense and apprehensive and sort of hesitant to do what you want to do whereas if you're relaxed and you know you let the nerves and that sort of control it you can you can make it work for you you can make it work for you so for me the mental side of it if you can't get your mind right you're, you're not going to be able to physically do it but if you get your mind right and you're maybe not the, the best physical 
attributes and stuff, you can still achieve a lot by having the right mindset. So what age were you then when you realised that and how did you then start to develop it? I don't know. <laughs> I just always knew I was very competitive and wanted to win at everything I, I did. You know, that, that will to win was like second to none. I hate getting beat at anything, you know, if uh, when I was a kid, if I played snakes and ladders with my mum and dad or my parents or my friends and I got beat, the whole thing would go up in the air. I was such, <laughs> I was no playing, I'll rip it up or go away, I'm no playing. I'd go away and spit the dummy out the pram, you know, it's, I've always had that will to win, which I think is how I've got to where I am today. My, my will to win and determination is, I think, my, my key attributes is to how I've got to where I am today. I realised I was good at boxing after about two and a bit years of doing it as a as a hobby really only going a couple of times a week to the gym after school and I uh, come back from uh, India in 2008 the Commonwealth Youth Games with a bronze medal and I thought oh I've done alright there you know I was I was disappointed that I'd got the bronze but my dad come back and he says look you've been only been boxing two and a half years you've been away over to India fought the best in the Commonwealth Games and you were winning the fight when you when you got beat, the fight got stopped because I had a, a bleeding nose and it's the youth game so that they stopped the fight but I was away ahead on points and stuff so I was really, really disappointed in the result because I thought I could have won it but I come, my dad come back and says, look, you've done all right, look what you've just done, you've only been boxing two years and these guys are doing it and on these programmes, high performance programmes, GB teams and all that and you're doing it part time as like a hobby and you're, you've done all right and I says, oh, well, I, okay and Sort of still never really, really believed it. And then two years later, I went to the Commonwealth Games in, in Delhi, 2010, and come back with the silver. I, I really gave it a shot, a good shot. And uh, that's when I started thinking, oh, because I was, I was had a bit of self doubt before it. Do I th- will I get a medal? I don't think so, but I'll, I'll try my best, sort of thing. And I got in there and I got to the final and got beaten the final by Tom Stalker, but I come back and I can remember being like, the worst feeling in the world. Think my, my world had collapsed, you know, because I had been beaten. But I come back. I wish the medal ceremony was a couple of days later because I had the time to think about it and process it. And uh, I, what I'd achieved after what four years of boxing was just like a silver medal in the Commonwealth Games. And Tom Stalker was a, the best British boxer, sort of amateur, sort of of a generation, you know. Yep. And uh, he only outpointed me. He never outclassed me. He just outpointed me. And I was thinking, oh, I've done all right here. I'm going to start taking this really serious now. I'm going to start, you know. See, to me, there's dedicating a dedicating myself. There yeah. From it's not a will to win that you're describing, though. I think what what is intriguing is the will to prepare to win. Yeah. Is different. Yeah. So, what did you start to do differently after that? Well, after that experience, after the coming of games, I thought, right, you've done all right there. You've you've got someone to work with here. You've definitely got a talent. You're doing well you're kind of half taking it serious but kind of still messing around with it so I said right okay after this start going to the gym every day instead of four days a week start going to the gym every day five five days a week running do your running as well in the mornings and eating a little bit better and you know and I started watching other fighters that I look up to when I was younger I started watching them learning how they do things watching them training them on, on YouTube and just studying fighters and stuff and I just decided to give my give it my best shot, you know, because by this time I was going all over the all over the world with uh, boxing Scotland to um, multi nations tournaments and 
boxing. So I, I lost a couple of jobs. You know, I lost a, I lost a, my place in college as a mechanic. You know, and then I'll come back and I went back to college again and doing sport and fitness to become like a sort of sports development officer kind of stuff like that. And I lost that place because I was away again, and I lost a couple of jobs at doing different things when I was working. And I thought. <sighs> you're not really got anything to lose, so go for it. You know, so I went for it and I, it's been the best decision I ever made. I, I gave it my all. I gave it I gave it everything I'd ever had and it's worked out to be the best decision I made. So would you describe like some of the psychological changes you've made? Because reading a little bit about your background, you, you seem very goal-driven, for example, that yeah. you decided to stay on and do the four years to win a gold medal in the Commonwealth mm. when they took place up in Scotland. Would you describe some of the other psychological tricks that you learned during this period of then starting to prepare to win? Well, after the, after the Commonwealth Games, I was going to turn professional, but there wasn't much interest because obviously the, the silver medal, unfortunately, wasn't as attractive as the gold medal, you know. So, and I wasn't ready yet anyway. I wasn't quite ready, you know, physically and mentally. You know, I I was still quite young and fresh and sort of immature in the game of boxing you know I had a good coach and a good mentor my coach Terry McCormack who's still in my corner now um, says don't bother about turning pro you know keep going keep going to the tournaments um, improve as a fighter keep signing all these different styles and you know different ways to fight and learning new things and gain the experience and then turn pro come back in four years you'll win that gold medal and I says aye I will yeah let's, let's go for it and I then got into Team GB because I was doing well at the at the GB tournaments and stuff. And then I got into Team GB and then I qualified for the Olympics. The first person to do it, and I think it was in Scotland for a, a, over 30 years. Beat the world number one in my first fight and, and things like that. And then I got beat by the former world champion. So I really started believing in myself, like really believing in myself. Like you've, you've got the talent here, like let's just go for it and do everything in your power. You know, you've... You've turned your back on going to the jobs and going to college, the things you wanted to do. Go for it, and and you know, I, start, I just I gave it all my all to to be the best that I can be, you know. And anything I could do to improve, I would work on it. I would do it. I would, and I would do it until my arms got sore, or you know. So, can you give us an example of one thing that you did that gave you the biggest improvement during that period? In terms of what way, and like what in the gym or sort of outside, or well, I'm interested in from a from a listener's point of view that, mm. that there's lots of people that might have a hobby or a passion that they want to turn it into something that might be a competitive advantage for them. So, any tips that you learned during that period? That well, what I did was I, I used to, because I was quite I was quite impatient with myself as well. If I couldn't get something right at the first time of trying it, I would spit the dummy out and. Oh, I can't do it and sort of give up and because of, I was anger I had patience and you know I learned patience and perseverance and consistency you know was the keys with me you know if I didn't do it right I'd spend a couple of days trying to do the same thing and couldn't get it right keep going keep going keep going persistence and patience is what I really learned and I think that was keys to me improving all round just persistence patience and obviously hard work as well but I'd say patience and perseverance were the two keys that allowed me to develop and get better. And there's another tool that you use as well to great effect, which is to write down exactly what you want to achieve. And I think this is a really powerful lesson for people listening to this because this can apply literally to any walk of life, any career, anything that you want. 
When did you first understand the power of just putting something down on a piece of paper? And secondly, what did that do for you? I was quite young. I, I can remember I was about 17, 18. I was writing on bits of paper, Josh Taylor, future world champion. From I was about 16, 17. And did I you think, understand the significance then? I didn't know until like a couple of years ago it was what, what I was doing was like the law of attraction and manifesting it. All I knew I was doing was drumming it into my own head, you know, like because I had a little bit of self-doubt, a little bit of self-belief, you know, like I had people tell me that I had the talent and I can be world champion and I can do this and I was always like, hmm, I don't know. Really? I, okay, like I, I never really believed it but I started then believing in I started then just writing it down if they in places I was going Josh Taylor future world champion future world champion and for example if I had the a multi-nations tournament coming up the GB tournament or the or the Tamar tournament or something which is a big one in like a few months time all I'd be doing writing on bits of paper every time I seen a bit of pen or a bit of paper I was writing uh, Josh Taylor Tamar tournament 64 kilograms gold medalist best boxer of the tournament and that kind of stuff, just writing it down all what the time. What would you do then with the bits of paper? I would keep them. I would keep them. Sometimes I would throw them away. Sometimes I would just write it down wherever it was and leave it. Just writing it down to put in my own head that I'm going to win this. I'm going to do it. I'm going to train my hard. I'm going to. I'm going to win this and make make myself believe in believe in myself. Make myself. And would, and would you do it before, before specific fights, as in I'm going to win in this round or in this manner? No, but I just about did it. This one. This one. The one came true, but the, the result was true. But I, did, I wrote down Josh Taylor, undisputed world champion against Jose Ramirez. And I put TKO round seven. Did you? And obviously I knocked him down in round seven and, and it, he got up and he got the long count. He got the like, you think of that, that bit of paper count. when he's on the floor, yeah, you're thinking, hold like, on a ah, minute. But what's interesting is, like, do you know the stat about Muhammad Ali with this? That in yeah. his first 19 fights, he made 19 predictions as to what round he would win in and even sometimes what punch he'd throw. So he'd say, like, Archie Moore, you're going to fall in four. Yeah. And he got it right 17 out of 19 mm. occasions. And then... But that's what, the power. Isn't that the power of manifestation? You've told yourself the yeah, seventh yeah. round, and you just give a little bit more and that's all it yeah. takes. But what Ali also said was he got in the head of his opponent as well yeah. because he then sells a narrative in their head of you're going to be in trouble in the fourth round. Or Yeah, but see, with me, I was, I was more quietly doing it I would do it quietly I always thought if I was doing it if I say it I've then got to do it I'm putting pressure on myself you know <laughs> uh, and no one's like Ali you know but um, I, I said at the last fight uh, to Ramirez nah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to beat you up I'm going to put you down I'm going to hurt you and, and yeah got inside his opponents got inside you know the what I like head. about that though is you like you both come from a boxing background your dad was a trainer and obviously it's your world I don't so when I see boxers standing there at the weigh or whatever going oh I'm going to beat you I think oh give it a rest like just yeah. you're just doing this to sell some more yeah, pay-per-view yeah. or whatever I think when you're actually taking the effort on your own in a quiet room just to write down Josh Taylor seventh yeah. round that feels more real to me do you know what I mean and I know there's been a lot of psychological studies in the importance of putting out there like not internalizing what you think you're going to do yeah. but actually put it and when you said oh, sometimes I'd leave it there with us and you said it with a smile on your face you've obviously thought I'll just leave that bit of paper there sitting in the gym someone will see that yeah bit. somebody sees it I used to do it all the time man. in the gym at my coach Terry I would if I had the, the book where people come in and that I would just write Josh Taylor future world champion blah, 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 and I'd just leave it there for folk to see 
on like the visitors book when they come yeah, in. Yeah, the, the visitors book, yes. and I would leave Brilliant. it on the, oh, on the so bits then, to see, and I would leave it and I'd leave it bits lying around the houses if I was at a hotel. If I was down here visiting London, so it was like your little graffiti or something, isn't it? It's like yeah, just right everywhere I went, everywhere I went, I had a pen, a bit of paper, I would write it. So would that influence you then in terms of deciding whether you'll go out for a night with your mates or when you get up on a cold Edinburgh morning and you've got to go and more do your so road work? More so the cold work. Edinburgh mornings. More so, more so the cold mornings to get up and run. That would make a difference. Going out with my friends was was easy not to do. Right. It was easy not to do. So describe the morning then when you're in bed, it's really warm, it's comfortable. Yeah, you know well, for one, I'm not miles. a morning person. You know, I'm, I'm not an overly morning person. I'm not very keen for getting up in the early in the morning and and getting up to what I have to do. I, I hate, I, I like a long lie. I love a long lie. So, and I hate the rain. And me being Scottish and I hate the rain. <laughs> it's quite a funny thing that, but I hate the rain. So I'd get up in the morning and I'd, I'd look out my window slide up the blinds and it'd be raining and I can see the sea from, from my um, bedroom window, my mum and dad's house and choppy and the trees are blowing. I'm going, ah, oh, no, I don't want to do it. I've just got to go back to bed. And then you would get up and you would have your cereal or whatever and you'd see a bit of paper that you'd wrote on the day before or the day whenever and it was lying there. You go, shit, mm, I better go and do it. You, know, you go and get the trainers on, put the oils on and the oil skins on and away I go. Away what I, go. I like about this is that you, this can, anyone can write down anything and will, every single person watching this right now or listening to this will have something they want to achieve. And here you have the first ever undisputed British champion in the four belt era telling you that he does this and it has literally got him to the absolute point. There's literally yeah. no more that he can win. It was more, and it was, I thought it helped as well because it helps me do it helped me do the things that I didn't want to do in preparations for fights and stuff like going running. I hate I hated running. I still do hate running to this day. <laughs> um, but I hate running. I hate obviously the the dieting and stuff like that. That's that's the hardest bit for me. Don't have that bit of pizza, you know, the things like that. You know, so for, when you see that written down, or you keep writing it down, you just you think about it. And it, it makes you do the what things that you're, you're not too keen on doing. It. And it's a hard fight, and you're really like in the trenches, and you having to dig deep. Is it there then? That's more, you know, that's more your, your your mindset. It comes down to your mindset before the fight. You know, before the fight, like I said, I could be the, the most physically talented athlete in the world, boxer in the world, but if my, my mind's not right and it starts getting tough and my mind's not right, that wee bit's where you, you dig and you go, okay, dig in and let's go, and you bite on the gum shield and go for it. That might make the difference if your mindset's not right. You might go, oh, and, and not quite fight as hard or your head be in the fight as if to say right take it easy or move around you you maybe just break down mentally and go oh, and, and then lose the fight so you've got to get you've got to get your head right first your, the mind is it's all it must, like I said it's, I'd say it's 80% mindset 20% physical I'd say maybe so exactly 30. what Kelly Holmes said exactly yeah but then there's a great saying in boxing that I'm sure you're familiar with Josh uh, that Boxing doesn't make your character, but it mm. reveals it. Yeah. That when you're on fight night, yeah. you find out the guy that's taken the shortcuts, the guy that stayed in bed when yeah. th when the rain was coming down. So did you ever consciously sort of use the idea of every time you did something you didn't want to do, like get out of bed and run or you turn that pizza down? The opponent's doing it. Go on, tell us more about that. Yeah, I would say if I was at running or wanting to go running or didn't want to go running, I say uh, my opponent will be doing it. 
that means you'll be you'll be a little bit fitter than me. You'll be a little bit more conditioned than me. And like there's a, like you say the saying in the saying in boxing, if you don't do it in the gym, it shows in the ring. Um, Muhammad Ali says the the fights won long before you get into the ring. So the preparations going up and down the road. So I always thought that as well. The competition. Uh, the other guy, if I maybe never went out on a run of go, he's done that. You know, he, he's he'll be doing it. So I need to do it. I can't let him outwork me. I've got to be the hardest worker as well. The most, as well as I think I'm a very talented boxer, a very talented athlete, but I'm a very hard worker and dedicated as well. There's no a person I've met in the gym that works harder than me. But what about grit then? Because that's what I, where I was going with that, of mm. that you're developing grit, that you know that ability I think, just to dig in. I think you've either got that or you've not got it. For me, it's easy to bring it there. It's there straight away. The grit's there straight away. But other people have got it. They need to find it. They need to be pushed hard. They need to be need to be pushed into finding that grit. You know, and again, it's all mental. It's all it's all in there. It's all so, in there. So you're not a father yet, but as as the father of of two children, and Jake's in the same boat, and lots of people listening to this, and we hear a lot about this next this new generation coming up behind us. And there's lots of criticisms that are often made around them. How, as parents, can we develop grit and resilience in our kids? If I had kids, you know, or when I have kids, I would like to think that I'm not going to raise complainers, you know, and complaining about how tough things are and how how hard it is. You know, and then life is hard. You know, at the end of the day, life is hard. So you've got to be hard yourself. You've got to you've got to take it by the horns, take the bull by the horns, and and go with it, you know, you've got to, don't, ah, oh, this is so hard, so I'm just going to go up and feel sorry for yourself, you've got to come on, dig in and stand on your own two feet, so, I don't know, that's hard one to, it's a hard one to answer that, I'm not, I'm not a father yet. So how did your parents yet. develop it in you then? Same thing, you know, when, when life gets hard, you, you've got to get hard, you know, it's not, don't lie down it and say, oh, poor me play the victim or anything like that or oh poor me you've got to get up and say okay come on then let's go round two round three round four and that's how we've got the grit someone hit you you hit back and hit them harder you know it's yeah, it's okay for one to feel down and feel feel like you're not worth nothing and this and that but it's also you've got to have a little bit of grit and you know I had a lot of compassion growing up as well as my parents were very compassionate with me and you know they always they always said to me talk about how you feel and what makes you, what's getting you down, Talk, tell us, you know, don't hold it in, let it out, and every time I did feel down or angry, that I, I let it out and I felt better, you know, I felt better rather than bottling it up and maybe getting angry or bottling up and feeling really down and really sad, I always spoke about it and uh, I always felt better when I spoke about it. I think there is a brilliant life lesson for any parents or future parents listening to this, is like, we've just spent the last half an hour talking about you sharing your thoughts right which makes you a better boxer by writing things down on a piece of paper and then eventually we get to the point where you say my parents taught me to share my emotions and basically that's the fuel beneath your career is this brilliant idea that your parents had which is let tell the boy to let it out and i imagine there's a lots of boxing families where that isn't that isn't the case right i mean yeah i I think it's it's good for your health as well it's good for it's good for everything letting letting your emotions out um how you feel you maybe have a cry you know you know it's okay to have a cry every now and again you know I have a, a, a cry when I'm sad sometimes you know everybody does this uh, or manliness or, or, or you know this 
come on, toughen Not up. Chill. You know, yeah. you've got to have a little bit of that every now and again. You know, come on, toughen up. You can do this. You know, and you can do it. Come on, toughen up or come on, put your put your foot down or, you know, dig in here. Come on, you can do this. I know it's hard, but you can do it. You've got to have a little bit of that as well, but you've also got to have the, it's okay not to feel not okay. You like, tell me if you're not feeling okay and, you know, it's, it's very, it's good for your health that way rather than bottling it all up and yeah. getting to your own head and getting really down and coming inclusive and that you know it's let it out and you feel much better every time I was feeling sad as a kid and I did bottle it up I would I would get myself down my mum and dad would know there was something up and I would tell them and I would I would feel better after I tell them how I felt after maybe holding it in for a certain period of time yep. and I would then let it out and I would feel better and much better for your health and you feel better much better Hi I'm Daniel founder of Pretty Litter Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. So now we come to the point where we talk about the fact that, uh, I said it at the beginning, the first British fighter in the four belt era to be an undisputed world champion. How do you feel when you see that written down on a piece of paper? Uh, I don't think it's quite sunken in yet still. <laughs> I mean, I've been back for almost a month now and it's still, I'm still on cloud nine because I've been doing a lot of things like this and going around and going around with the belt. So I'm kind of like still on cloud nine and kind of, you know, enjoying the moment and stuff. You know, I don't think I'll really sinking until I get a little bit of a moment to myself and I sit down and I go, wow, done right. Although sometimes I have sat back in the house and oh, what have I just done? And got a little bit emotional and like, oh, geez, I've done all right. You know, a couple of times, especially a few days after the fight, I was a bit, a little bit tears of joy and done okay. You know, it's all paid off. The hard work's paid off, you know, and it's such a, an immense feeling of proud, like just so proud and so happy with that hard work pays off and perseverance pays off and just felt really proud of myself, yeah. Problem is, though, with success comes danger because you've effectively scaled the mountain. Yeah. So now you've got to work out whether you're going to go again, if so, where that energy is going to come from. Um, and there is a, there's a kind of... You're now in uncharted waters because you've always had something written down on a piece of paper, you've had the yeah. plan in front of you. 
I've already made next. new plans. I've already made new plans is to become a, a second weight world champion. You know, it's a, I want I want to become a second weight world champion, move up to welterweight, challenge the big guys up there, the big dogs up there, the big fishies up there. You know, have you written this down? Terence Crawford. Yeah, I've I've wrote down. Josh Taylor, two-weight world champion. Actually, I started doing it a couple of days after my fight. Brilliant. Pile was in Vegas, actually. Still in Vegas. I was written down a couple of pieces of paper. Josh Taylor, two-weight world champion. So I'm already thinking what I want to do next. And bigger challenge, Terence Crawford, who was the last person to do it at my weight. So that's a big fight up there as well. So I've got these, these challenges, big challenges ahead of me as well. So can we get specific about Terence Crawford then? Because I'm conscious people maybe listening to this won't appreciate either what you've done and how exceptional it is. But equally, Terence Crawford is somebody that is regarded as one of the greatest pound-for-pound fighters, certainly in the world at the moment. Yeah, but yeah. he's a, it, Tris Dixon, the boxing news, described him as unbeatable. Yeah. So you're now coming up against somebody that's quite formidable. Tell us yeah. what your mindset about coming up against somebody that that is regarded in such esteemed company. I relish the challenge, you know. It's um, I've got to, like you say, the Everest, the peak of Everest, relatively unchallenged. Um, I know I had a, a bit of a ding dong where Regis Progress, my eye was yeah. out there, but if that eye hadn't went, it was quite. I was taken over that fight. I've never. I don't feel that I've reached my full potential yet I don't feel I've, I've reached my Everest uh, you know I've maybe reached the Everest of the four belts but I don't feel I've reached my Everest of my potential I think I can go further and achieve more and that's why I got into boxing and professional boxing was to challenge the best fighters out there and take the biggest and toughest fights and challenge myself against the best so this fight here against Crawford who I think is an outstanding fighter you know outstanding athlete you know He's such a smart fighter as well, you know. He's got power. He's got the grit. He's got the he's got the nasty side of him that as well. So, I think he's a very, very, very good fighter. But so am I a very, very good fighter, and that's a challenge that I want, and that's a challenge that keeps me hungry and keeps me determined to to keep going. So we're talking about Crawford then, Josh. So how much of your focus is on him and his strengths, as opposed to how much of it is on yourself and what you can bring on, how you can get better. Well, you've got you've got to watch out for his for his strength. You know, everything that he does is is decent. You know, so I wouldn't even say you watch out for his weaknesses because there's not a lot of weaknesses either. You know, so you've got to just watch what his strengths are, watch what his what his habits are, what his sort of kind of patterns are of the way he fights, and sort of work on that and see what his favourite sort of shots are. At this level, it's hard to pick and nitpick and fighters games because there's their weaknesses aren't really weaknesses they're just they're not quite as strong in that area as, a, as they are in other areas and the strong areas are good strong areas you know so you've got to just take it and see the sort of the rhythms the way they fight and, and take it that way and then watch for his best shots and work on things and how to block and counter or or you know catch him out that way so it's it's more about focusing on yourself more about right. focusing on what I need to do to, to win this fight. We'll take a sort of general game plan, the things that we think will win, and sort of work on that in the gym and work on my strengths and weaknesses rather than on his. So if you can fast forward then to in the build-up to a fight like this, 
boxing's notorious for like generating like pay-per-view hits by controversy and mm. saying outlandish things to each other. Can you sort of tell us how you process some of these insults or the mind games? Because the reason I ask this, Josh, is there's lots of people listening to this that maybe are on social media and they maybe have to deal with some of the criticisms that they'll read there. I'm interested in how you block out distractions and focus on keeping the main thing the main thing. Well, you don't. I, what I do is, for one, I, especially on the lead up to the fight, I, I don't really go on my social media too much. Like, say, my Twitter, for example, uh, on the lead up to, you know, fight week, you know, two weeks before the fight, I tend not to really check Twitter that much because there'll always be something, and it doesn't matter what you say or do, there's always something or someone says the complete opposite and has something negative to say about you or, you know, something bad. So I tend to turn it off, just completely turn it off. In terms of person, person, and person with the fighter, it is what it is. Some of the things you're, it's on tongue and cheek, but sometimes you maybe do mean it, and you know just to be spiteful and be nasty. But it's all just like we were touched on earlier. It's all part of you know the psychology and getting inside the opponent's head to doubt themselves. You know, so that's uh, most of it is to do with that. It's it's a psychological kind of tip for tat on the on the on the build up to the fight. So how much would you prepare for that? Again, it's mentally preparing that you know what he's doing and saying is is he's trying to get at you, trying to get at your emotions to um, make you act out of character or make you do this or do that. So you've got to be prepared that he knows what he's doing is try and leave your emotions out of it and just be like, okay, be calm and say, okay, but it's hard. It is very hard, especially when you're on the day before the fight and, you know, you're dry as a stick, you know, you would just want a, a drink of water and, you know, maybe a wee slice of pizza or something, you know, a slice, slice of pizza for a long time. So you're a bit cranky and especially the, the final face-off and stuff. So you do turn and say, oh, I'm going to knock you out and he's going, oh, I'm going to knock you out, that kind of, you know, playground kind of stuff. But again, it's just, it's, most of it for me is just a competitive nature, wanting to want to win and some things you will say, you know, you know, I'm going to knock you out and blah, blah, blah. And get Have you got one head. thing that you say that you know yeah. always gets under the skin of an opponent? No, no, really. You just uh, take it as it comes and see see how they react to how you're acting and see if you do say a couple of wee niggly things, see how they react. If they don't react, it's no working. If they do react, you play on it. It's almost like, you know, when you're with a bunch of lads and you're... If you react to getting slagged from the lads, that's you. You're done for. <laughs> do you know what I mean? You're, you learn not to... Not to bite, not to bite and, and keep control. Have you ever it, tried to kill an opponent with kindness? No, nah, I would never say I've ever done that, no. Just the fists. <laughs> no, just I've never ever done that, yeah, just the fists, Jeb. I've never ever done that, no. I've, I've always been respectful, though. I've always been right. respectful of my opponents and the trash talking side of things isn't really my style. I'm not really, I'm more all right, nice to see you, big man, and all the best kind of thing, you know, but if it gets a bit fiery, I'm, I'm also quite fiery myself, so... Uh, I'll react to that too myself especially the day before the fight because I'm I'm just ready to fight then you know the mindset's yep. changed you're just ready to fight so you don't want to see them and talk to them you want to just get in amongst them and, and sit about them you know because you've been training for six months for this guy and no seeing your family no seeing your friends and that so you just want to get at them and, and win the fight so one thing that interested both Jake and myself when we were chatting about your career beforehand is that what you did recently winning the undisputed title wasn't recognised on TV channels over here. So yeah. your profile mm. wasn't as high as you might expect for somebody yeah. doing something exceptional. 
Now, boxing, as we've just alluded to, sort of people can be often be controversial to mm-hmm. to get uh, interest and generate interest. Would you ever compromise yourself and maybe do things out of character to try and get that that kind of public attention? No, I don't. I don't think so. I'm not really. A, I'm not one for being a show pony, you know, and going out my way to be in front of the cameras and put on a persona and think I'm not really like that. I don't crave the attention, if you know what I mean. I, um, I'm not really want to go out my way and, and be put on top of this tower and say, look at me kind of thing. I'm not, that's, that's not me. That's not my style. So, but I do know what you're saying. You know, it's, it's sometimes a little bit frustrating that, you know, given what I've done, you see other fighters getting talked about, raved about and this, that, and they're here, there, everywhere and on front of magazines or doing this and doing that and achieve what I've just achieved, which is, you know, very rare. This has happened. I'm the first person in Britain to do it. Yep. And I barely got spoken about. And it's like, does anyone really care at, at times, you know? But at the same time, I quite like kind of being under the radar. quite like it. The fight you've just had was the biggest fight of your career, right? Yeah. And you, you manifested it. You wrote down the, the fact you were going to win it. What would have happened if you'd have lost that fight? I'd have been devastated. Obviously, I'd have been, uh, I'd have been gutted because I know what was it that what was at stake for that fight. You know, history. You know, um, when I'm dead and long gone, my name in the history books is still going to be there and be the first person in Britain to do it and talked about for how many ever years after I'm long gone and well forgotten about. You know, and, and I'll leave a legacy. I've left a legacy now, so that would have been gutted about that. You know, ah, shit. So close, the last hurdle, the last field at the last hurdle, I'd have been, I'd have been gutted, but I'd have brushed myself off and I would have come back and I'd, I'd believe I'd win a world title again and, you know, I'd have been saying, okay, that was dust off, failed at this bit, but pick yourself up and you go up to big, something bigger and better, you know, go up to welterweight or whatever and fight for another world title challenger, become a two-weight world champion. That's still another goal. You know? one, one of the things I've liked most that you said was that you hadn't even left... Vegas and you'd already written down the fact you were going to move up a weight and you were going to be a yeah. two-weight world champion. So is this mindset and this life and this constant, relentless pursuit of the next goal, is it tiring? Is it exhausting for you? No, is- not for me. It's exciting. It's, it's chasing something all the time. I, I think when I'll struggle is when I retire. I'll not have nothing to chase. I'll not have nothing to look forward to, get up in the morning to do things And in terms of having goals. You know, like say for going to chase and going to become a two-weight world champion. That's a, that's a goal for me. I get, I get up every morning. I love it. I've got the hunger, desire. I think when I first retire, it's going to be quite difficult to be sitting still and sitting on my backside for a while. You know, um, I always want to be moving, want to be doing something. So I'll be, I'll, I'll definitely find something to do. And I'd like to open up a gym and things like that and give back to boxing and give back to my community, actually. So I'd like to do something like that. So I think I'll be... I'll be all right when I retire. So can I ask you about retirement then? Because boxing's one of those that you often don't get to go out on your own terms. Mm-hmm. And we've spoken before on the podcast about this idea of, uh, of a role called a memento mori. Yeah. And this is what like the more far-sighted Roman emperors back in the day used to have somebody that would be on the shoulder and just remind them that they were mortal and that they were fallible and they could mm-hmm. make mistakes. And I always think that for you as a boxer... The, one of the most valuable roles you'll have is somebody that can say to you, Josh, it's maybe time to think about hanging up your gloves now. So who does that for you? Well, 
It's a difficult question because you, I, I think you would never ever want to hear that for for anybody. Of course. But at the same time, the person that is telling you that is maybe the person that cares for you the most, you know. So for me, it would probably be my coach Terry. You know, my coach Terry would would say to me, you know, Josh, come on, you've done you've done all right, and you don't need to prove yourself anymore. And, go and live the rest of your life healthy as a champion and go and live your life, you know, and bring up a family and all that sort of stuff, you know. But at the same time, would I want to hear that? Probably no. I, I, I think you need to you need to let the fighter do it themselves. You need to let the people do it themselves. And for me, I, I know I don't want to go on one fight too long. You know, I don't want to, I don't want to keep boxing until I'm 36, 37, just to, just to keep fighting, you know. Like I said, the, what I've achieved is absolutely amazing I could retire tomorrow and be and be happy but like I said earlier I know I've not I feel that I've not reached my Everest peak yet you know so until I feel that I've reached that then I'll be like right okay but I, I believe I'm sensible enough to to say right okay you're maybe not doing the same in the gym you're not performing the same lads are maybe tagging you and sparring but usually wouldn't get near you and that kind of stuff. I, I think I'm smart enough and savvy enough to know when it's time for me to uh, hang up the gloves. So as somebody that has scaled your Everest in boxing terms, say you set up this community gym back in Edinburgh, what's, what's the one message that you'll give back to that community from the heights you've reached that they could take away, learn and understand? Just, you know, believe in yourself, have that self-worth. You're be your own best fan you know be be your own number one fan love yourself you know because you're worth like a, a million people isn't worth one of you you know it's like you've got to love yourself love yourself have self-worth take care of yourself and I think that would be a good message to have to people you know be yeah. be your own best number one fan you know you've got to love yourself take care of yourself and do what you want to do and be happy I Very think that's nice. it that'd be a nice one Nice things. Um, we've reached our quickfire round, which we end every podcast with. The first question is, what are the three non-negotiable behaviours that you have to live by? Oh, see, I'm not really that strict, you know. There's, with me, it's, it'd be like negativeness, like, so yeah. that's a no. That's no negativity, like, okay, that's yeah, the first no, one. Yeah, no, like, negativity, like, you know, oh, what if this, or what if that happens, what if that happens? It's more of, what if this happens? Positiveness. What, what if that happens? So I'd say that's one. You've got to have that. You've got to, have, you've got to be competitive and will to win. You've got to have the desire. Desire and you've got to have passion. So that's three, yeah. You've got to have the passion as well. What advice would you give to a teenage Josh just starting out? Follow your dreams. Have the courage to follow your dreams. Have the courage to follow your dreams and give it your best shot. That way you live life with no regrets. Perfect. What is your biggest strength? And what is your greatest weakness? My biggest strength, um, my will to win and my determination to do something. When I've got something on that I want to do, I'm doing it and that's it. I'm, I'm very headstrong when I want to do something, that's it. Determined in my will to win to do it as well. My biggest weakness, I don't know, I've got a few weaknesses but I don't know. You're just not telling us because you're still fighting. That, that's Terence Crawford's listening. Yeah. That's <laughs> no, my, my biggest weakness. What are you meaning in like, say, yeah, in yeah. life or in like, Either. or in sport? I don't know. My missus is sitting over there. What do you think? What's my biggest weakness? 
<laughs> she's taking the fifth. No amendment. comment. She's in. Um, she's got so many. She's like, <laughs> <laughs> nah, I don't know. I don't know what my biggest weakness is. Uh, I'm quite harsh on my, myself at times. Sometimes too harsh on myself, which I think can can be tough on me mentally. Sometimes I can be yeah. uh, too harsh on myself, which I think is quite a, yeah. a bad trait sometimes. And you know, just in sport, but in life as well, if you're too harsh on yourself, it can be can be bad for you. Finally, um, your sort of final message really for people listening to this, and we call it your your one golden rule to live a high performance life. To live a high performance life, you know, it's, it's taking care of yourself, carry yourself with pride, and carry yourself well and professionally, and like you know, respect yourself and uh, value yourself worth. Very good. Listen, thank you so much for coming up and talking to us on the High Performance Circle, and. We wish you all the very best with manifesting that next fight at a new weight and uh, writing even more history. Uh, thanks very much. Thanks for having me, guys. Okay, Enjoyed well, that. Man. Thank you. Thank you very much. Cheers, Josh. Well, how about that? What an interesting guy. Don't forget, you can always get so much more from the High Performance Podcast by going to thehighperformancepodcast.com. There you can join our members club, the High Performance Circle. You can find the latest links to our live tour which will be going on to more dates at the end of 2022 you can also check out our youtube channel or find us on instagram but i really hope you enjoyed this extra special bonus episode of the high performance podcast with one of scotland's greatest ever boxers we'll see you for another brand new episode of the podcast on monday but for now have a great day Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.